0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Weekly Lens, where the perspectives are raw, wild, and it can get explicit. So let's get right to it. All right, so I have the talented in every form of holding grace, um, positivity, I could really go on for days talking about her and I'm sure you guys have heard on well not really heard but seen on social media how I am excited to have one of my dear friends Sarah join me for the podcast today and we are going to talk about some issues that are some are taboo and that some of them are really informative if if you really never knew somebody that went through through some of the things that she's gone through over the last several years of me knowing her, then here's an opportunity to kind of learn and understand that maybe what you thought you knew, you really didn't know to be accurate. So without further ado,
1: Sarah. Yay! Thank you <laughs> so much for wanting to talk to me today or at all, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try, I try to avoid you like the I know, plague, right? but... Yes. No, um, I'm I'm very happy that that you agreed to do this, and it takes, um, it really does take some courage to put your story out there. And I've learned it's also releasing, like it it's freeing. Yeah. So I hope after today, there's there's some kind of like good emotion that overcomes you, and you just like can't stop smiling. That's oh, I like
1: that. Okay, me too. I'm I'm here for it. I am here for it. Um, generally
0: i I like to you know talk about how we met, so i I know I remember I was going to this uh specific gym first, and then in comes this crazy lady mm-hmm. like wild, just kind of took the whole place by storm um and I'm believe- you had tattoos and there wasn't very many people there that had tattoos, but you did yeah like I did um so you wanna. You remember when you first came in there, like how you felt in that gym? Oh, for
1: sure. Like I, I mean, mind you, like I had not been in a gym for like a really, really long time. Uh, I was coming off having my second baby and then oddly enough, tearing an abdominal muscle, trying to exercise after my second baby and then taking like a six month exclusive rest period. And then I was like, okay, like I hate myself. I hate how I look like I need to do something. And that's how I sort of found my way in there and I was like that's funny that you like think I like walked in like took everything by storm because I was massively intimidated walking in the door there like massively intimidated I was like oh my god I feel <laughs> so out of place like I am so out of shape what am I going to do
0: yeah I I know that feeling I used to I used to lie and say that I had to leave because I I peed myself doing squats or something <laughs> Because I couldn't keep up and I felt I was embarrassed and ashamed of myself. But I know that um, once you once you stick to it and you make it a habit, then all the good stuff, all the the endorphins start kicking in. It's like, hell, yeah, I couldn't do this three months ago and now I'm doing it. And that's kind of like that leads me into my memory with you is I remember I can't I can't between you and Tessa. (laughs) and um I was what was her name the one the other one that drank all the Hershey's chocolate Miranda with Miranda us. was with us no 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 no
1: who oh okay. no not Miranda um Nikki Nikki yeah
0: yes Nikki thank you I was going to say Nicole but I was like that's not no. right so with um Nikki was like you know oh, I can't do this I, there's no way that I'm going to be able to deadlift you know 200 pounds and and I'm like, yes, you can do it. You can do it. And then I remember when you did it, when you set your, your PR, I was like, yes, yeah. I felt so good for it was,
1: you. It's crazy. I always remember, like, I always remember there was one day we were at Open Gym and you were like, just, just do this. And I was like, how much is on this bar? And you were like, just you can deadlift it. You can. And I could not get that thing to go an inch off the ground. It would not budge. Like, it might as well have been, like, nailed down. And I think you I remember you were like, oh, it was 165 pounds. And like, I could not move that. And yeah, I remember the first time like I hit over 200 and I was like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Or I did like, you know, multiples of 165 or I think actually the other day, uh, it was like five reps of 175 or something like that. And I, you know, it just like, it takes me back and it blows my mind. I remember you being like, you can do it. And I was like, I for sure cannot like for sure cannot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you did. And just like me and running four of those laps that equaled a mile, like running out to 105. I was just like, this is, I complain, man. I have (laughs) cussed so much. And then when I did it, I was like, look who just ran it. (laughs) It might've been slow, but I did it. exactly. And you were always like, you were always right there beside me, no matter how slow I went, you went, slow with yeah. me. And I, I appreciate that. And that says a lot about you. And I want people to know that's yeah. you.
1: I mean, it is. It's it's I had a friend that honestly was running. My friend Wendy did the same thing. She would run mm-hmm. next to me and never made me feel bad, never made me feel slow. And like that was probably what got me into running in the first place was having, you know, feeling like I could do it. So like I want other people because they can do it. You know, everybody just starts somewhere else. So it's like I want everybody to know that like you totally can do it. And like I don't have something special that you don't have. You know? I I've been exactly yep. in that exact same place that you've been, and like you you totally got this. You just don't know it yet.
0: Yeah. So the way that you were with running is how I was with listening. Yes. Yeah, so we're like
1: our little roles were reversed. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
0: So this weight loss journey you were talking about after you had your baby pulling a muscle and everything and then getting back into the gym. Um, do you feel like that weight loss journey kind of led you into discovering who you really were?
1: It for sure contributed to it. I kind of look at the weight loss or, you know, other accomplishments or things in my life. It was like I was trying to check things off the list of like, why am I so unhappy? So it's like, why am I so unhappy? Oh, it's because I'm overweight. And then you check that off the list and it's like, okay, wait, I'm still unhappy. It's got to be something else. So you go and you're like, oh, I don't have, you know, I don't have, for me, it was like, I don't have a job. So I was like, okay, so I, I'm missing that autonomy. Um, I mean, I've really struggled to get that autonomy back, but you know, and it's like, okay, wait, no, the autonomy is not it. Like, it's just like, it's just going down this list and being like, fixing all the you know usual suspects and then being like but still miserable and then you kind well, of figure on. out why
0: when when you were like one of the things that you said was you know not having a job but what i know that a lot of people probably don't know that are listening is that you were here on a, a visa yes. right from canada yeah. and so you weren't really allowed to have a job were precisely you? yes yeah. So that sucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know it does, which is funny. Then you start to get bored and you have to find ways to to entertain yourself, spend your time. And it's funny. I feel like there's this stigma and a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh man, like you're so lucky. Like that's the thing. Like you want to stay at home and not work and like, what a great life you have. And I'm like, uh, I'm dead inside. Like I want to do things for myself. I don't want to be somebody's dependent dependent. yes like I don't want to be somebody's dependent I don't want to rely on somebody I want to do it myself and I've I'm always that I want to do it myself person and like that area of my life like being completely dependent on somebody else was like just so opposite from my personality
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yep so finding out you know that you were truly unhappy and it had nothing really to do with your weight loss you decided to venture into who Sarah really is right yes yeah tell me about it so
1: I mean it was a lot of it was a lot of being like really confused and like also a lot of like aha moments and a lot of looking back at your life through a different lens and like seeing i don't want to call them red flags but like seeing these little easter eggs and being like how did i not know how did i not know but like i had mm-hmm. said before with trying to find out um why i was unhappy in looking back in that i never stopped in my life to think like what did i like what made me feel good like what did what did my body like what like am i enjoying this experience with people and it's so funny because people are like, trust your gut, trust your gut. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't think my gut works. I don't think I have one. I don't, uh, yeah, I wanted to check life's boxes, you know, do the whole thing and, and, and making an analysis of my life. Looking back, it was like, I, checked the you know I graduated from university I got a job I you know bought a house I got married I had a baby you know I had another baby I was checking all these you know you know two dogs societal, societal boxes. boxes two dogs white pick offense, fence you name it you know yeah and I was too busy checking these boxes not realizing that like I was one like uh a homosexual woman in a heterosexual relationship, which like did not clue into me for a very long time. I Mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't enjoy, and I don't ever want to like say it like I didn't enjoy the person that I was in a relationship with. I I don't want to say it like that. Like I, I loved my ex-husband very much. It just wasn't, it never felt like you know, I don't know, the air quotes like that it wasn't that kind of love. Um, mm-hmm. and that's like, that's so hard to wrap my mind around because I thought it was. And I just really thought that everybody felt the way that I did that, like, nobody wanted to have sex with their husband. And I mean, that's a lot like in, you know, cultural, societal stuff that everybody's like, ew. My husband wants sex too much and I'm not interested. And I, I guess I just, like, extrapolated that. And I was like, nobody wants to have sex with their husband. Everybody has to have yeah. three glasses of wine to have sex, right? Like, that's just, like, a normal – that's normal, right? And I I did not know that that was not normal at all.
0: So it's not normal? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know what you mean, like – or, but for me, I, I wanted – to, I, I don't know, like I hurt so bad on the inside. I was so mad at myself and so unhappy mm-hmm. with myself that I wanted to hurt myself and it in turn hurt my husband. Mm. And I never really thought about hurting him. Yeah. Like it just, it was, he was just the person that was in the line of yeah, fire. It wasn't intentional. I and I mean, I find myself, I'm too damn tired.
1: I mean, that's a, I mean, I get that. That's totally a real thing. I, I do feel that feeling a lot of times, even now but it's different looking back. Like it's yeah. a different, I am in a relationship with somebody now that like, I, I very much want to be intimate with. Um, and yeah, a lot of the times it's nine 30 on a Wednesday and I got to wake up at four and I'm real sleepy and I want to go to bed. And I think that's normal, but like, yeah, I'm that is. the desire, like the desire is still there. Like I, I look at her every day and I'm like, Oh my God, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. I can't imagine my life without you. And it's like, It's a different thing than the relationship Mm -hmm. and any relationship, honestly, that I had previous. Like, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. radically different. And I, my mom always says this thing. She says, you don't know what you don't know, which sounds ridiculous, but you don't. And I didn't know relationships like the one I have now. I did not know that existed. I thought everybody was, you know, in the same boat as me. And it turns out they're not.
0: No, no. Some of them jumped ship long ago, and then some of them decided to take their own little canoe and paddle off into the the Maldives island area. Yeah, you know, yeah, living there in their own little fantasy world. Yes. Um, I remember the fear that you had, Mm -hmm. uh, like coming out to everybody. I I remember like your feelings for a particular person um, that was at the same gym that we were at and it was it was like uh, you can't really say anything you know don't know if you're, if she's vibing that way or whatever and then I don't know it, it was like gotta keep it for right now yeah.
1: do you remember that totally I remember you know like having those you know kinds of feelings and like it being confusing and uh I mean it being exciting at the same time but confusing and then like I mean, I think a lot at the beginning, I was like, okay, well, I have these feelings, but like, it doesn't matter because it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm, you know, leaving my husband and breaking my family up and and doing these things for like this person. Like, that's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But like, so it was like, I'm not doing anything. Nothing's going to happen. So why doesn't it matter? But like the feelings like wouldn't, they wouldn't fucking go away, <laughs> which is so, which is right? so irritating. But it's like that, you know, there's, Things just kept like knocking at my door, you know, and then it wasn't, you know, and then like, I feel like that was like my, my gateway was, that was the gateway drug. And then I was like, at first I was like, it's just one woman, you know, it's just I like people. And I found girl this in, person.
0: Uh, uh, then Instagram and TikTok came around. You were like, "Look at her Ooh.
1: for real!" And then that happened. And I was like, "No, it's not just the one woman." I was like, "What is uh-huh. going on?" and um, it's funny because I grew up in like a very liberal family. Everyone would have been totally okay with everything. Like, I would have never had any struggles. My family would have been like, "Great, wonderful." This sounds awesome. But you're in Texas. But I, I – yeah. No, I'm in Texas now. But, I mean, I've personally not experienced any issues. And, like, I'm very, like, out and open and um, I don't hide shit. And I've never had any issues. But, like, I, I wouldn't have had a problem as, like, a younger adult coming out or, like, a, a teenager or any of those things that I, – I mean, I'm from Canada. So, like, it's – Canada is actually the number one country in the world to be gay in. So <laughs> – you know?
0: I did not yes, know Yes, it's the
1: best place to live. So it's the most accept- – I guess it's like the most accepting place. Hmm. So I – you know, no, it would have been no issues at all. But like I just – I literally didn't know. And it's like I just – it's so messed up. And there's so many like little tiny Easter eggs. But what I discovered was like I had – you know, I hate to, it's like, I had daddy issues. I had trauma from my relationship with my father that I thought didn't impact me at all. Um, because even to this day, like, I'm very detached from my father. We don't have a relationship. Um, I don't wish anything bad to happen to him. But, like, we're just, it, it just isn't, a, it's not, just not a thing. Yeah, you're just not it's a just thing. It's just not a yeah. thing. But it was very much, like, I was trying in my young adulthood to find validation from men, because I did not get that kind of, I didn't get validation from my father at all. Um, and my life, it's like my life's intention was set out to find one, a person that was completely not like my father, who, you know, was um, a hard worker, and who, you know, didn't argue all the time, and somebody that would be supportive. So I found that person, And we got married, you know, Mm -hmm. check it, I checked it off because I was, you know, I was, I was like, I am doing the opposite. I'm having the opposite of that relationship. I want to be in a relationship with somebody that validates me as a person and, and, you know, does all of these positive being this like positive, healthy relationship and, you know, have the father for my one day children that I never had. Yeah. So I did that. Um, wasn't the right choice for me, (laughs) but I ignored all of everything inside of me, inside of like Sarah's being
0: to seek that validation. You're you're always a supportive person and you gave so much positive energy to people like there, unless we really knew you or got to know you, we never knew like you were struggling. You know, you always... You always put on this happy, like, you can do it. Let's go. We're gonna do it together. We're gonna blow this popsicle stand up and just we're gonna have fun doing it. And and never in a million years, if I wouldn't have taken the time to get to know you, um, and I mean, I know there was a couple of times I had to like brush off your your flirty moves <laughs> and stuff. But no. <laughs> um, I if I wouldn't have got to know you, I would have never thought that you're that you're inside like Behind closed doors, you were suffering. Like I would have never known that because you gave so much positive light and energy out to everyone around you.
1: I mean, that's that was my that was my goal. Like you don't ever, I don't know, it's like this thing, I don't ever want somebody to see me struggle, or I never I didn't. Now I'm I'm working on it. But you know, it was like I don't want to see people struggle. I don't want people to see me with weakness. I don't want to have weakness. Mm -hmm. I want to be strong and accomplished and you know I want people to think that I can do anything um whether I can or can't <laughs> you know whether I believe it myself or not like I want to give off that feeling um but I don't know why I'm very concerned about you know making other people feel comfortable I guess and a little less concerned about making myself feel comfortable which you know kind of bit me in the ass but I'm working I'm working yeah. on it <laughs> uh-huh yeah. Did you find um? Did you find
0: that during your struggles you had habits that you you picked up?
1: Uh, for sure, like I mean survival. Um, and I talk, I think I talked a little bit about it. Um, uh, in a blog post last week. Um, and that comes to like my relationship with alcohol. Um, I am consciously trying to create a life that I don't want to escape from. I feel like for so long, I did want to escape from my life. It wasn't the right life for me. And while people could have looked in, and I'm sure everybody looked in and was like, what a great life. How lucky are you? It was a life I wanted to escape from. And I was you know, actively doing stuff like having a few glasses of wine at night to shut my brain off so that I didn't have to be in the life that I was in. So that was something that I continued doing for a long time, which was, you know, obviously negatively impactful to a lot of things. Like, I mean, alcohol doesn't exactly make you feel great. It affects a lot of other things in your life. Um, And that was something um, once I finally broke through on the other side, I was kind of like, wow, I don't I don't want to escape from my life anymore. And like, I don't want to do this thing that is going to be negatively impactful to my health and my mental health and all of these things yep. because I have nothing to escape from anymore. I love my life, which is, it's funny to say, like, I'm like, I love my life. And this has been like the hardest two years of my entire life, I, but it's great. Mm-hmm. It's awful and it's great all at the same time. And, And that was like, that was a habit that I really had to, and it took me a little bit of time to break it. Um, I didn't just like wake up one day and I was like, I'm going to quit drinking. It definitely didn't happen like that, but it was like this overtime thing. And it was like a habit I had to get rid of because it wasn't serving me anymore.
0: No, it really doesn't. And then we start to use that as a coping mechanism, um, and like keep ourselves numb to reality because it's hard to deal with reality when you're drunk. Absolutely. you like everything's just it, either supp- like you're suppressed and everything's uh I'm I'm either a happy drunk or I'm an angry mm-hmm. drunk.
1: And happy drunk or angry so, drunk, you're not dealing with anything.
0: You're exactly you're, uh, your problems are yeah, still your there. Your problems
1: are still there. You're just you're ignoring them.
0: And that yeah. doesn't get us yeah.
1: anywhere. And I feel like it it takes a
0: lot of strength to recognize that it's a habit that you need to quit, and or and you can't really deal with your life, um, and balance it out, and and pick out the pros and the cons until you have a clear yes. mind. And I feel like you you definitely had a very hard two years. That was one of my my questions. Um, I wanted to make sure that it was two years. I was pretty sure. I was like two years of court, right? Like two years of of fighting with someone who would give in a little and then take back. Yeah. Um, and then you're having to do it as a, as a non-citizen going through the divorce courts in America, which I don't even know the difference, but like how it would be if you guys were still in Canada, if it would have been easier or even more like hard than what it was. But I know like it put a lot of strain on mm. you and the kids and you know, your relationships, your health. All oh of yeah. That.
1: Yeah. It's like, a very, the Canadian court system, uh, especially the family court system is a little less like litigation focused than the, what my divorce ended up being here. Obviously my divorce did not settle out of trial, which still, even in America, it is not common. I think my lawyer said it's like less than 10% of cases actually go to trial. Um, and we were one of the 10%, um, that ended up in, um, in a trial. I know in Canada, it's a little bit less likely. Um, and there's a little Texas, Texas doesn't love women. Texas family court doesn't love women. Um, as much as I'm sure my ex would say that, yeah, they, they do because, you know, they favor women in terms of custody. And I don't necessarily know if that's true, but I mean, I got favored and I think that that's probably more because I've been my kid's primary caregiver for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to see it like that, but family court, um, here, there's not a bunch, there's not a lot of rules, um, that help women in terms of, um, in my case, uh, alimony is very hard to get in Texas. Um, and for somebody Mm -hmm. like me that has been a stay-at-home parent, for 10 years, eight of which have been in a country that I cannot work in. And I still am currently living in a country that I cannot work in. Not being able to get alimony was um that was a big blow. And that was something that we knew, my lawyer and I knew going into trial, there was a very good chance that we were not getting. Despite the fact that it is warranted in cases like mine, um, despite the fact that no contest I would have gotten in Canada, um right. that. That made trial, and that made you know things a little bit um more challenging in that sense. There's also going into trial, there's not a lot of things that um the state of Texas does in terms of uh, rules for things for the kids, so like schooling, you know paying for their education, paying for their activities, none of those things there's no. Rules that help govern who contributes what, so if you're someone wow. like me who ends up being the primary caregiver, um, if I want to enroll my kids in something, I can hope that my ex will contribute, but he has no um, obligation to do it anything of the sort. Um, the only things that there are it's like child support and medical and yes, really, you know and at at so that it- I mean that's that's challenging enough. Um, in my case because I am moving to another country where his medical doesn't work so mm-hmm. it, you know things like that are a little tricky and child support is very difficult to enforce which I am learning very quickly that that is very hard to enforce it's just there's not a lot of support for women um, in my opinion in the the Texas family court system
0: I can see that um, I really can because you have um, a lot of moms who are giving custody of their kids and they have to start at rock yep. bottom like you go from having a, a an income yes. whether it's whether it's just your spouse's income or it's both of your income to having zero income or very little like now you're on the 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 downside of of that income because it is true that there are men tend to make more money mm-hmm. than women yeah. do we just had a conversation about this um at my house here earlier and not my husband was like you know you you just don't have the ability to make as much money doing what you do like i do in a week and i'm going hey, yeah
1: mother.
0: <laughs> yeah you know and then i was like no but you're right but there was this one time where you didn't work that much um during the week and i ended up bringing home yeah. more but that was like one exactly time. that was it um, so he does make you know he makes more money, and if i i i mean I can't imagine like trying to live the single mom mm-hmm. life on on my own income or very little and then being a non citizen do you with not having um child support for your children come in you know obviously that puts the burden of responsibility a hundred percent on you mm-hmm. and
1: and that's really hard when you can't even go though- and get a job. <laughs>
0: You know, yeah, you can't get a job, and then that means also that you can't get government assistance. Exactly, I'm not eligible for any kind of government assistance. And people have this, this straight. um, I don't know what uh, the word eludes me, but I want to be like some people are just jackasses, and they automatically think that if you are here from a foreign country, you automatically get a handout. (sighs) And I've learned. I'm not gonna lie I was one of those people too I was like man if I would have just crossed the river from the northern border the southern border or come over from you know some other country whatever then I get I don't pay taxes and I get Medicaid and all that I I was part of the group of people that believed that but it wasn't until like really knowing your situation that I was like you know that's not the case and I I wish I wouldn't have been such a judgmental
1: asshole and believed all that It's funny. You're not like you are not alone in thinking that so many people think things like that. And I'm like, that's not the case. Immigration on any level in the United States is incredibly challenging. And if you think about it, um, for the better part of the last eight years, our immigration has been handled by, you know, my ex-husband's multi-million dollar company um, and their fancy lawyers and all of these things. And we have still struggled and it has still been hard and frustrating. And there have been times when like, you know, even going into trial, I was obviously geographically restricted going into trial. I had been geographically restricted here to be with the kids um, and right. my visa expired it expired. Um, and there was nothing I could do. My visa expired. My driver's license expired. Um, cause your, your license wow. is tied to your, um, your license is t- tied to your visa, your visa. So that expires all at the same time I had had to plan to sure. take a trip home before everything expired so I could get a driver's license in Canada so that I could still take my kids to school. Um, and that's, right. you know, with his, you know, million dollar fancy company. Um, and that's, that's something that, that we experienced, um, and we experienced lots of other things on different renewals and a time when our oldest daughter, they wouldn't admit her on her visa. They admitted her on a visitor's visa when we were traveling back into the country and wouldn't let her go to school. And she was six at the time. Like just, it is not, it is not fun. It is not easy. And I think a lot of people look at me and because I look like you and I talk like you, people have an easier time understanding when I say things and for whatever reason, they don't put me in the category of, you know, immigrants that look like immigrants as, as much as like, that sounds horrible. They don't put me in that category and I just look at them and I'm like, but I am exactly the same as somebody yeah, from, are. So, from right. Mexico or from Argentina or from wherever mm-hmm. I'm exactly the same. I just come from a different country, you know? And, And it's fine for me, you know, and they're like, oh, it should be easier for you. You should be able to get this. You should be able to have this. And I'm like, that's not how it works. And that's not how it works for anybody. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand why people are illegal. I fucking get it. It is hard as (laughs) hell to immigrate here.
0: To do it the the legal legal way. way. You see
1: people spending tens of thousands of dollars, probably more than that, in years and years trying to be legal. It's wild well I've I've um
0: I have a family member who his he came here from Mexico and the struggles that his family faced here I mean I think it was like 10 years before they could even take a citizenship test and I was like it can't be that hard. And then they started telling me some of the questions that you had to answer in order to become a legal citizen. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, like that, that is really hard questions. Um, So yeah, really. So like going through the legal process, it takes a lot lot of of time, a lot of money and like Mm -hmm. dedication. And you
1: know, now I mean, I think our last visa renewal, I was just like, I'm done. That's what I said. I was like, I'm not doing this again. I don't ever want to do this again. I'm done. You know, I don't want to do it. I'm I done. I hate it. It's just like it's it's stressful. It's all just stressful, and it's yeah. not productive. I know that it
0: that you're. Um, I know it's not over. The Never. fight's not over. But I, I'm glad to know that you're on the home stretch to. Uh, a happier in thank you for, yeah, me too. And for your babies yeah. and for mandy so taking a yes. mandy this is the mandy i've never met i've only seen an She's instagram real. and heard these wonderful stories about her but um finding love amid your you know disaster of a world that's just falling apart around you how in the world were like how does that happen you would think that somebody would see the forest fire hell and be no. like oh <laughs> hell no. To to it's funny. <laughs> like no, 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 but but then you you met this person and it's like you've been together yeah, she didn't since run.
1: Uh, I don't know why she didn't run quite frankly. I I am not sure. I sort of Is she a born and bred for Texans. She is has she's born oh, here. Why. She, she lived here her is. whole life. And here I am, you know, stealing her and taking her to a foreign country, you know, all of those cool things. But she just, like, I don't know how she didn't run away. I thought there were a lot of times that I was like, oh, my God, this is it. She's going to leave me. Like, I would leave me. Like, I do not. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be in this situation. How could she possibly Mm -hmm. choose to be in this situation? I don't have a choice. I don't know. I think that, like, maybe – the way that things started out, like her and I started dating like very soon after um, I told my husband I was gay. So like yep. we had been separated um, and then we had, you know, talked about going to counseling. And it was in counseling that I finally told him that like definitively like this is it. I was done. Um, There's yep, no going back. I you know, and Mandy and I had already been talking um, probably since like November of 2020, I think that's when we started talking. Um, and I had like, it's funny. Cause like when she first started talking to me, she was like, Oh, this girl just needs a friend. Like <laughs> she got a lot going on in her life and she real confused. And I did like, I was. You know there's not like a lot of gay people in this area like you you're not there just is nobody and I was like, I don't understand how I feel like I need to talk to other people that are like me, you know, and we had talked, and um, I really leaned on her for support when I told Chris like like when we did all of that stuff, and um we ended up going on a our first date like a few weeks after and Um, things were between Chris and I were very amicable at the time. Like he seemed very, this was like before everything caught on fire and he was like very understanding and, um, you know, wanted to make, he was probably hoping for like some kind of threesome. uh, Maybe I hope, I don't know. I don't know. I (laughs) think that he held on to hope, um, that maybe it was a phase and it was just something I had to go out and do. And like, I would come back. But that was, I mean, I knew in my heart that was never the case. Um, And I never gave him any reason to believe it was the case. But um, I suspect that he sort of thought maybe if he just, like, let me go off and do my own thing, then I would realize that the grass is greener at home or something and come back. But the grass, in fact, was not greener at home. It was not. So I didn't come back. But um, things were still very amicable. And he was supportive. And, like, he wanted to meet her. And we actually went out on what she will call like the most awkward double date of her life. Cause he was also seeing mm-hmm. somebody at the same time. And we went, it was the night before mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. And we, or not New Year's mm-hmm. Eve, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. And we went and we all had dinner. And um and talked and I think it was all really good and positive. And it was like we're on this track to doing this, like doing this different. And that's what we were trying to do is like have a different kind of divorce, one that's not spiteful mm-hmm. and angry and all of these things, but it was collaborative and it was about the kids and and everybody was still gonna be a family and it was just gonna look different. Um and at some point for him that changed. But at that time when I reeled her in. <laughs> We were still there. And I think that that's a big reason why, um, she saw the fire and didn't run. Cause she was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, it's not, it's not the same as like, you know, every crazy divorce ever. She's like, this is going to be fine. Um, and it slowly unraveled. So,
0: yeah. And then there was that some embers that yes. were left burning. Yeah. Yeah. Happens. So, My, um, I wanted to know this is because my, my mother also was married and she ended up coming out and telling me that she was gay and like uprooted us from our family, which our dynamic is a hell of a lot different than, than your family dynamic and the way things were done. So I'm curious to know how, I know how it affected me what the way my mom did it and how things um went in my life so i'm curious as to with your two children how it affected your children by you telling them or have you told them or do they they kind of does the older one kind of get it but like it's it's just all fine like it's funny because i think
1: they're young enough that it's sort of just like normal i remember for a long time mandy would just be around and that wasn't weird because I have lots of other female friends, lots of other close female friends. So like having, you know, one of my friends around was not out of the ordinary. Um, she knew that Chris and I were separated and that we were getting a divorce. She just, she didn't know that Mandy and I were dating and she would be like, one day we're driving in the car. And she's like, she was nah, she was eight at the time. And she said, mom, are you and Mandy girlfriends? and we were just like we just looked at each other in the front seat and we were like yep and she was like okay and i'm like do you, do you want to talk about it like do you have any other do you have any other questions and she was like nope and that was it i know that and she was so just cool. it, just totally totally understanding and totally accepting and like she'll come home from school and she's like mom i saw two boys and they were saying that a girl and a girl can't have a baby and i told them they were wrong you know and like she's just <laughs> She's, it's so funny. Kids are so open-minded until society shuts their mind. You know? Yes. Yeah. My four-year-old was two at the time. So this is just normal. Like, it's just, it's normal for her. She doesn't know any different. Yeah. I, I
0: knew, I knew I had, I had kind of an issue well, let me rephrase that I had a really big issue with the way that my mom did things I, I, I think maybe as I got older I don't I don't see it as much of an issue because the world has changed since yeah. the 90s um, but I was I came home from school sick and I don't even remember if I was like really sick sick or if I just was like oh my stomach hurts and I was eating of all things a bowl of Ew. kidney beans <laughs> I know but like I just dumped a can in a glass bowl and put it in the microwave and I was sitting on the couch and we lived in Kentucky like we moved we were uprooted from family down here nobody knew nobody in Kentucky but her husband got a job and even though it's not moving from country to country it was like you're ripping us from everything that we know and putting us in this this state where we don't have a clue who anybody is. There's nobody yeah. there for us. Um, So she, there was something there was, I think it was Geraldo or something that was on TV and it had something to do about lesbians. And my mom just flat out said that I want to tell you something. That's what I am. I'm leaving. I'm leaving my husband, you know, Wayne and um, we're going to be moving <gasps> in with her. And it was like, wait, how what? old are you?
1: How old what does that you? mean?
0: I I was uh, wow. eight or nine. I yeah. was in third grade. And um, it really, <clears throat> it really sucked because I was like, wait, wait what do you mean? Yeah. What does that mean? But then it brought back memories of what happened to me whenever I was five and six years old being molested yeah. by my stepsister. And I remember, like, I didn't yeah. like that feeling. And I knew at that moment, like, that's what I remember it being like, I'm like, this isn't right. This isn't, this isn't good. This is not the way that, no, this isn't how this works. Like, that's really gross. And I was not happy about it. And we ended up moving in with a woman. And during that time, me and my sister didn't have a bed to sleep in because it was a one bedroom apartment. We didn't have a bed to sleep in. We didn't have a dresser with our clothes in it. We had laundry baskets that had our clothes in it. We had uh, pallets on the floor. Or we would fight over who was going to sleep on the little couch. Oh, that's hard. Um, we didn't have we didn't have friends' houses that we could go and crash at because we didn't know anybody. We were moved from a little town to a, a, a little bit yeah. of a bigger town. Had to change schools. Um, found out in the eighth grade that I think I was 13 in the eighth grade. It was like the third or fourth day of school. And this girl was like, least my mom's not a fucking queer. And it took all of about five seconds before her face. Mm, met yeah, I can see that. I had four teachers pulling me off of her and I was pissed and I was, and I hated it. I was like, I, I, I fucking hate you. This is the kind of shit that I have to put up with because of you and your stupid decision. And why couldn't you just stay with, you know, your husband and, and all of that. And it, it brought a lot of anger along the way of her dragging us through this lifestyle of, we were poor. I mean, we were poor. We didn't even, we couldn't even afford to like buy stuff at Goodwill or Salvation Army. We were that poor. Um, Food stamps were they came in like coupons. They were, they would look like little, like dollar, $5, $20, like in a book. And, um, so we relied on that. My mom was always gone, always working. So was her girlfriend. The one time that I argued with, um, like I spoke my mind, I stood my ground against her girlfriend. My mom beat my ass and I ended up in uh, foster care. So there's a whole lot of like angry things that I felt towards her being who she authentically was. And along the way, I met people. I grew up in the the LGBTQ community of that town, of that city, and met some amazing people and learned some uh, wonderful things. But they were amazing. She just yeah, wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think it, it whether you're queer or straight or whatever like you can i mean it, n- none of those things make you a good person or a bad person that's like i mean that, that comes down to like at the very core of it we're all just human beings and like it doesn't matter what your sexuality is or what you identify as like are you a good person are you not are you doing the right things or you're not or exactly you know there's shitty people everywhere. Yeah. I always say that. I'm like, there's – people are like, oh, because I get a lot of shit from uh, my family, especially my brother, about living in Texas and like very Republican and, you know, all of these things that I am not. And he's like, how can you live there and your kids and like how could you bring – have them bring up like that? And it's like – he's like, there's just these bad people. And I'm like, there are bad people everywhere. Literally there are bad people everywhere. You there just, are. I just don't bring those people into my kids' lives as much as possible. But those people exist everywhere. We're not escaping them by going somewhere else. You know. Right.
0: I and mean, like with my mom, she didn't know that I was um that I had been molested by my my stepsister. Like nobody knew that at the time because it's it was really buried yeah. deep within me. But I feel like if she would have went about it, A different way, a more healthier way. It might have, it might have been better for me to understand instead of me feeling like I had to fight everybody over it because I'm, I mean it. Like it was still a very small community in that, in that town. They had one bar that they could go to. They had like one area of the city that they, that they could go and and be safe. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen firsthand the way that uh gay people were being were, yeah. were being treated and i i didn't agree with it but i didn't agree with my mom being yeah with a woman and then she would bounce to a man and then back to a woman and then to a man and then to a woman and there was just like well. we're like
1: just <sighs> choose so
0: <laughs> so i'm i'm glad that you're doing things the way that you're doing them, even though it's not for me to say that you're doing it right or wrong. It's just, I'm glad to see that the way that you've gone about it, even though there was, you know, a, a huge storm. I'm, I'm very glad for the way that you did it because I feel like you just kind of slowly introduced it instead of just like, Ripping the family apart
1: and it coming yeah, across. No, that it way. was there you know what was I mean? no ripping of anything. I mean, we did. We continued going to counseling through the first couple months of our separation. To and our counselor was a relationship counselor, but she was there to like try to help guide us through that time in our lives and like how to transition and you know from one household to two mm-hmm. households. And I mean, obviously, our situation is sort of unique in the sense that like. I can't work. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like mommy was going to go get a house or daddy was going to get a house and, and mommy was going to, you know, pay the bills at this house. Like we were still living on one income because I, I could not provide one at all. Um, and so Mm -hmm. that was really hard because it was like, how do I, how do I be a dependent still, but be independent from this person? How how do I make that work? Well <laughs> <laughs> hella fun. <laughs> uh, tricky. I mean, but we did it for <laughs> we did a thing called nesting for the first year. We nested. So we had the house that um that we own here, uh, and that's where the kids stayed always. And then we also had an apartment and him and I would rotate out of the apartment. So either you were staying at the house and you were with the kids, or you were staying at the apartment and that was your time not with the kids. Um, that didn't, Mm -hmm. it worked for the kids. Um, but, but the nature of me still being a stay at home parent and him still having a very demanding job, even when it wasn't my time with the kids, I was still here from 7am till 7pm at the house, taking care of the kids and the house every single day. Um, it ended up being a lot of strain on me as a person. Um, and I was still obviously like, I'm glad that I could have been that I was still there for the kids. I still got to see my kids every single day and, you know, take them to school and get them ready and get them from school and and, and be in everything and make sure everything got done. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I was still coming right. back to the house when it wasn't my quote unquote time. And I was cleaning the house and making sure everything got done. And then, you know, like coming back the next day and being frustrated because, you know, X, Y, and Z was not done. And it was a It was a very challenging time, um, but I think it was a good way to help the kids transition from that to us having two separate households, which is what we're doing right now. Um, And then, I mean, inevitably to transitioning to um, me and the kids and Mandy being in Canada and their dad not. So he's going to be here in Texas and we're going to be in Canada so it's like a slow they're having like a little slow transition everything's been real slow yeah
0: yeah and even as as aggravating as it is at in hindsight that might way. be the best the way it's going I might agree. be the best way yes for them it, it's it's like oh i, I want to mm. hurry up and get this done yes. get him out of my life blah, blah 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 and move and be happy and move on with my life but then... But you can't
1: just rip it out from them. You... That's too hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. what your mom did, that's very... I think that's very yeah. hard for kids to understand. It's not... You know how, like, as an adult, you're like, we can sometimes have that, like, all or nothing mentality. And we're like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. So, like, I'm just going to... I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to do all of it. And I think that for kids, yep. that is just, like, so hard to just... To, to do that mm-hmm. whole all or nothing. Um, they... They need baby steps. And honestly, I think like as, as adults, even, I know we have a tendency to want to do the all or nothing thing, but my personal opinion is baby steps are way more reliable anyways. Just little baby steps, stair-stepping our way towards something. I think long-term mm-hmm. it ends up being so much more sustainable than just like mm-hmm. going all in.
0: Bouncing right into it. Yeah. And that's with me being um, a a person with BPD, with borderline personality disorder, I've talked about it a lot. Jumping head into something is just, it's a, like a natural thing that I yeah. don't have control over. And it's not until I slow down, then I start to realize, <laughs> who, <laughs> what the fraggle rock were you doing, Lindsay? Let you just kind of smack myself around and be like, hold on a second. And there's like no ability to think things through. And that's. Yeah. Like Sean, he's a logical thinker, and he's the slow motion procrastinating and all that. And I'm like, let's do it now, 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 now. It has to be done
1: now. Let's go. You're let's me. I'm let's the I'm it. the same way. Mandy, um, Mandy's the logical one. That's like, <laughs> let's ease into this. And I'm like, no, we're just gonna do it. Like, let's just let's go. Let's. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. And then and yeah and like you said, having
0: to to train yourself to to stop and take baby steps or recognize whenever you're going yeah. head first into something. It's, it's hard, but once you get used to it, like that's really when you start to know yourself, that's what I feel anyways. Like I really started to learn myself when I started paying attention. And you know, that's so
1: important. And I think it's something that we so often neglect is like knowing ourselves and the relationship that you have with Mm -hmm. yourself is so important. And Mm -hmm. I feel like for the vast majority of people, it's literally the last thing that we foster. We're like, I'm going I'm to do this relationship exactly. with you and you and you and you and everybody else. And then like if I have three seconds left at the end of the day, I might think about myself. Um, and that is – it should mm-hmm. be totally the other way around. You need to prioritize that relationship. That's the longest relationship you're going to have is with yourself.
0: Yeah. And there's a, there's a saying, if mama ain't happy, then nobody is happy, but who's going to make mama happy. Yeah, It's going to have to be mama. So I learned that in the morning time, when I get up, the first thing I do, I I used to be like, fuck, I got to get up and go to work. And it's (laughs) four o'clock in the morning and be so pissed off that I even have to do this. Why do I have to work? Why do I have to have a job? Prison sounds better. (laughs) Three square meals a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah you know somebody does my freaking laundry and and i'm not having to stumble through the dark cold looking for some pants or whatever to go to work but i decided that i was going to change that and and say i need to take care of me so this morning i'm going to make myself a cup of coffee i'm going to sit on the toilet for an extra five minutes playing (laughs) candy crush you know like i take time i think about myself first thing in the morning and uh and then I'm able to take care of everything else yeah. during the rest of the I day. I mean, but
1: yeah, it, it sets the tone. So, I think it like sets the tone for your whole day. It does. Yeah. The only person that can do mm-hmm. that is. You can't. We Yeah. When Sean, when
0: Sean would get up in the morning, he would be like, you, wh- why are you making so much damn noise in there? And I'm like, I would get so mad. And I would let that like. Ah, oh, I'm going to snap your neck in half. I haven't even had coffee yet. All I'm trying to do is take the trash out that you haven't been taking like it just put me mm-hmm. in this angry mood. And then I was like, "Man, I just I can't wait until I get off work today and I can throw some beer back and take a couple of shots." And then it was like, "Well, nope, no, nope, that's not enough. Now you got to have a pack oh, of yeah. cigarettes. A two packs of cigarettes and you got to have enough room so I'd have to throw up so that I could fit more beer more liquor Ooh. into my body to make me even I'm I mean
1: really? belligerent.
0: Bad. Yeah. But once I found out how to make myself happy instead of relying on someone else yeah. to make me happy, that's when things started changing and, and shifting. So like I said, the clear head and taking care of me first set me up sets me up during the day
1: to be so good like that's i mean i think more people need to do that
0: me too but you know it's very
1: hard it's (laughs) it is very hard that is a hard (laughs) thing to strive for um so
0: your future plans um tell me i know that you did i was so freaking proud of you you Uh got your certification like you did some some things that you we're allowed to do like take classes and stuff like that. Um, but like I know you said yes. you're moving to Canada. So what are you gonna do when you get to Canada? Are you going to are you gonna do photography, which you did our yes, wedding photos I, did. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna, gonna
1: gonna
0: get a do... jo- I'm gonna get a job. I'm
1: gonna get a job. I'm gonna I need right now in my life, I need mm-hmm. health insurance. Um, although Canada has like um mm-hmm. a lot of things are included there's universal health care but like you know my children need therapy I need therapy I think everybody needs therapy right now so (laughs) so I'm like I need yes I need a job with benefits Um, I think so Mandy's not going to be able to work for probably four to six months so it the the onus is going to be on me which I mean that's so funny that like my it's like total role reversal Whereas, like, I've been the dependent and now, like, I'm the person that supports everybody. So we'll see how that goes. But I actually have a second interview tomorrow, which is kind of exciting. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But, you know, I've been telling my sister she needs to side hustle something since the beginning of forever. So I'm going to force her to do that Mm -hmm. with me when we get there. We, we have, we're undecided Mm -hmm. on exactly what we're going to call it, but uh, my sister, I like to bake and decorate. I think I'm a better decorator than a baker, but my sister is a better baker than a decorator. So it's going to be perfect. It's, we are, we are one person, one good person if we combine our forces together. So I think we're going to do something like that. And I know Mandy and I have talked about um, event photography and photo booths and stuff like that. So like, I, I got some stuff. I got some things brewing. So it has nothing Um, to do with fitness. Nothing to do with fitness. Um, (laughs) I obviously love fitness um, and I will never quit. And I don't know that that means that that's, it's not in a professional way. I don't think it's like off the table right now. I just, I'm going to focus on some other things and just, I'm kind of like a, let's see where X, Y, and Z go. So we're just going to go. And we're going to see how yeah. things go and kind of grow from there. I think right now. Do not stop. I I, vlogging. Won't. I, I like it's kind of like um, journaling, but other people can read it, which I'm sure some people mm-hmm. think is like super mm-hmm. cringe, but fuck them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get it out there because you're helping someone at the end of the day. If it's just one yeah. person, then it's just one person. And I'm going <laughs> to share the shit out of your stuff, and I will. I, I hope that you will look into international shipping yes, of some good goodies I will. for like my birthday and stuff. But I, I think that I told you before we started this that you should run <laughs> for president. But I don't think you can do that. <laughs> I in can Canada. run for prime
1: minister. Yeah. All right. Okay.
0: Do it. I'm I'm proud of you, and I am grateful to have you in my life, and. I hope that you take away knowing that you've made a huge impact in my life.
1: Lindsay, as you have made in mine.
0: All right. Well, I would love to keep this going, but my beans, I can smell them boiling Mm, and I cannot trust my husband to continue cooking them. So I, I would like to invite you to be a guest. I would love to. Anytime. We can dig into mental health and fitness together because they do so. go together. Very much I
1: agree.
0: There's the the guys the limit on things I'm that down. we can talk about.
1: I'm always down. You know, I always like to chat. Good. Good.
0: I know. I know, and I do too. Because, but I like to talk with people who understand what I'm trying to say. Whenever even I don't sure. understand what I'm trying to say, it's almost like you have to be able to make out a, a like it's trivial. You kind of have to put the thing, put it all together yeah. to figure out what I'm saying, because I, I go I all you. over the place. And there's very few you. people. I got <laughs> to, I got you. No, there's very few people that can do that because I get a lot of, "What the fuck are you saying? That doesn't make any sense." And then to someone, they're like, "Oh yeah, this is what you're trying to say." And you're one of those people that I can I can be real with and not have to worry about yeah. if I'm being misconstrued. And mm-hmm. I also want to tell you that I appreciate you not taking my lack of knowledge and my um, ignorance to certain things. I like, I I love that you don't take that and use that against me, but instead you take it as an opportunity to be patient and explain things to me. I do value that. I mean, like I said, what my,
1: my mother always tells me, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you can't expect other people to, you especially can't expect other people to totally know what you're talking about all the time. I mean, people, we're all Mm -hmm. over the place. And we can learn. We
0: are. Mm -hmm. Aren't we all all over the place? And you're right. We can learn. There's so much more to to get out there in the world. Again, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get back to your daily life and share, share, share as much of your personal experience that you can because... It is baby steps to changing the world. Thank
1: you so much for talking to me today.
0: Absolutely. I love you to death and we're going to have to meet up for coffee very soon. I'll be in Montgomery um, this week. So we'll have to definitely meet up for some real coffee. Okay. All right. Big hugs to the kids. Tell Mandy I said hello and uh, I will talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye, Sarah. As always, I hope you enjoyed the episode and remember to follow me on Facebook, Insta, TikTok, and Twitter at The Weekly Lens for all the latest updates. Thank you. Take care. Until next time.